Welcome, everybody, to your topic and focus. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Carly Rowe, lovely fiance. Hello, the, hello. The positive hairstylist. We're going to plug that a few times. Here. <laughs> uh, so a couple things, some housekeeping things. We had released uh, probably two weeks ago, something like that. We started our, our third 30-day challenge. We were going to do the gratitude journal type thing. Um, and we hit a wall. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> yeah. So we started sort of reflecting. We, we had done the mindfulness 30-day challenge, and then we did the yoga challenge, which was already starting to get a little tough for us. Yeah. Uh, and then we started this new one, and we were kind of excited. It was fun. I think the idea behind it was really fun, but then we both just started realizing it's like becoming more of a chore to do these things and the lo- the longevity of trying to do these things seemed like it was going to be pretty hard. Yeah, I agree. It was really really fun and like I think we had, you know, still have really good intentions behind it and like always trying to grow ourselves and our minds and encourage others, but we just were trying to find a brainstorm of like how to still do that but yeah. have it not maybe be so rigid. And yeah, like you said, feel like such a chore. Right. So yeah, the 30 day challenge thing, trying to say, we're going to do this thing every day for 30 days, sort of put a pressure on it that made it almost not um, conducive to our mental health. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't anything that was actually like damaging or anything, but we were like kind of resisting it and kind of pissed off about it. Whereas if some of these things were things that we were just doing like a couple times a week or something without this rigid structure. I, you know, the the idea behind it was that people would follow along. We would introduce new topics to people and hopefully people would at least learn something from our experience. But now at the end of the day, it hasn't really been that much of an enjoyable experience for right. us. So, And especially during the time we're in right now, I feel like we, we need, you know, to hang on to those enjoyable things. and. Yeah. I feel like it was good for our mental health. And then, like you said, there was a lot of it that wasn't too just like the rigidness right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the perks of, I mean, we're going to probably get into this and talk about it when we announce the next part of this, but like there was some perks to doing the mindfulness and the yoga because right as we entered into all of this coronavirus stuff and lockdown, We had had a month of mindfulness under our belt. So I think that that really helped. And then we had some free time to kill at home. And so we were able to do yoga videos every day and that kept us busy. And and I think we learned some stuff from that. But then now going into this next phase, I don't know, it just seems like we need to transition to something else that we will enjoy more, that will be more genuine, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're not sitting down. We're we're like skipping all these days, writing these gratitude journals. And then we just sit down and be like, so uh, yeah, it's been going great. Yeah. We did it uh, once this month. No. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to touch back on when you said when we went into the whole shutdown, how we were doing the mindfulness. I just side note, it was just so weird that we had chosen that. And then it happened like literally I think two weeks in or something, but anyways. Right. So, I mean, that's a good segue into the next part of this is we're still going to keep the topic and focus format. Yeah. We still like doing these things where we sit down and we record together, but now we're going to, we're just going to pick a a theme or a topic each time and just sort of ramble on about that, have a little more conversational uh, each week. And we're not going to meet, it would be great if we could do it every week, but we're not going to put a 
pressured timeline on it either. So hopefully we can release some new content. Maybe one week it'll be eight minutes. Maybe one week it'll be 30 minutes, you know, but totally. And hopefully the topics will still be things that are interesting to people. Um, and informative and mo- and a lot of it is we're going to gonna still try to keep it on a space where it's us talking about our experience with these things yeah so. but it's cool because then we come from you having like you know the mental health background and like actual knowledge and then of course you have this too but I have just like the personal experience of like working on all of these things yeah and like I said of course you are doing the same thing always working on them but um it's cool that we can kind of have both Right. To focus on. I kind of always feel like I'm uh, like my own, I'm like client and <laughs> therapist, you know, because I know all of these terms and theories and all this other stuff. And then I'm actually living it and going through the stuff at the same time. So I get to challenge myself to apply it. And right. it's not always that cut and dry, you know, like totally. I, I totally realize I'm telling you all these things I've learned. I, I've got, you know, hypothetically, I have like a 10 year head start on you of when right. I got into recovery and I really started focusing on my mental health and all of that. And so I can rattle off these things to you and be like, this is how it works and do this. And then I know also it's not that easy and I've been doing it for 10 Longer. years. Longer. Totally. Right. So back to that, that was one of the big things that I struggled with. And to segue off the mindfulness piece was anxiety. That was kind of one of my biggest struggles in life, social anxiety, general anxiety, just worry about a lot of stuff that I can't control. And I know you struggle with that as well. Absolutely. I feel like it's so incredibly common too. And I think it's always been common, but it's it's more openly talked about nowadays in my opinion. So yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people relate to. Yeah, I think it's got a different narrative kind of around it now where yeah. I've had my friend's mom say to me, you know, we didn't have all this anxiety when we were kids. And maybe that's a product of the different times and maybe there's just more increasing stress and maybe the, it's more labeled now as a certain you know anxiety encompasses all these things like worry and all that so yeah it right. could be yeah they probably always had it but totally. they just called it stress and worry right. you know now we're like i'm anxious and they're like oh god like it's kids. very labeled right who knows so that that is going to be the topic for today anxiety and probably one of the reasons that we brought it up and we wanted to discuss it is in the middle of this pandemic and all of the changes and everything that's been going on, there's been a lot of anxiety and a lot of people. I mean, I think you can, you hear it in the conversations that you have just with individual people and people worrying about their businesses and their families and finances and all these things. And then you hear it just in the tone of the way the media delivers things. And this is not me knocking on the media or thinking the media is some like controlled conspiracy thing, but just the way that people talk and describe about that I can't help but look at it sometimes as being like this is either the purpose is to stir up anxiety so you get more ratings or whatever or the person writing it is writing it from an anxious place of their own right like people are not impervious to these journalists and these governors and president whatever they're not uh, immune to anxiety absolutely and anxiety changes the way you perceive things and it sort of changes your outside world, right? I was actually thinking about that when you said you are like a client and a professional, or I forget how you worded it, but, um, and I said like, you're kind of like your own guinea pig, you know, from all your experience over the past 10 years of like that true self-worth. But it kind of reminded me of something we talk about in that, like, 
all these people that we hold on pedestal stools or like might have some kind of like huge degree or a huge title or whatever. Like the older I get, the more I realize everybody is just kind of winging it. Right. Or I should say a lot of people, you know, everyone's just doing the best they can and everyone's still human beings. Even if you have this like incredible label or degree attached to you, like doctor or therapist or what yeah. have you, news anchor, president. I know a lot of therapists with a lot of anxiety. Totally. Like we're go, not immune. Yeah. They can go in and sit in a room with people and give great advice because they know all of it. And then yeah. in their own lives, they're really struggles still too. And just like, just what you're saying, like, I don't know. I just picture... Some of the anxiety around all of this stuff has been, when will things open up and go back to normal and all of that? And could you imagine being a person in charge of all of that? Gosh, like yeah. you're the governor of New York or California or whatever, and you got all these people that aren't happy because they want it to be the one specific way they want it to be that's going to work best for them. And I'm not knocking... I get the seriousness of all of that, right? And you and I talk often about how we feel like we're in a lot more privileged place because financially we're not stressed right now and other things. And we're while you have been laid off yeah. and there is, and we'll talk about that at some point because there is no real sure. like known, when is the hairstyle, when yeah, is the, the cosmetology industry going to be able to open back up, right? Yeah. That in itself is nerve wracking, but you were able to jump on uh, unemployment and I'm still able to work. I was able to pivot my practice to telehealth, which was awesome. I mean, yeah. um, but either way, like just, I kind of went down a tangent there, but I just think about this a lot of like, nobody wants to be the governor that opens up too soon and a bunch of people get, uh, affected health wise, um, death wise, like all of that. And then nobody wants to be the one that did it too late in the economy collapse. And how do you find a balance? You and I are just like, we're wondering, how hard it is to go to the grocery store some days, you know, yeah. and then this person's got an entire state uh, economy and people's lives in their hand. Like that's crazy. Okay. So question for you, when you feel anxiety, well, I'm going to ask you this. What do you think anxiety is or what do you think sparks it for you? I think worry sparks it for me. And I think that, I mean, I don't know. Anxiety is worry to me. It's, it's a, very fear-based, restless. I think it's just worry. Yeah, yeah. For me. I mean, that's just a, so, I mean, maybe you can elaborate on that too. Like how does it, how does it show up for you? What's the difference for you between just worrying? Like, did I lock the front door today or worrying oh, yeah, about, no. you know, like everything the future else and everything else. That, yeah. Everything <laughs> else that you worry about. <laughs> everything else that likes to come into my head at 1030 at night when I'm trying to be peaceful. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so for me, you know, I already said it feels like worry. It feels like usually depending on the topic of what I'm feeling anxious about, but it, it usually feels very restless and I feel out of control usually That's of good, a situation yeah. and my mind. So just very frazzled. Like it's just something that you, you can't do anything about and you just kind of have to sit there with it, try to figure out like, and that maybe that's part of the racing thoughts is yeah. like, oh, I'm going to try to brainstorm how to solve this problem that I actually can't do anything about. And a lot of the times it's a lack of focus for me too. Like that's how it shows up when that's you how are it anxious. Show, it, it shows up in either a lack of focus or like a, I don't know if this is the right term, but like a hyper focus. Like I'm either, I can't focus on a bunch of stuff that I'm needing to be focused on because I am just so frazzled or it's like I'm hyper focusing on this one thing that I, 
you know, I'm so worried about. So it's yeah. like c- kind of comes in different forms of focus. They sound like I... the two. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the two go together too, right? Yeah. If you're like hyper-focused on a problem, then the day-to-day things that are that yes. you need to control, you can't really Lack focus on either, right? Totally. What? It, how does it show up for you just physically? Like, what do you feel when you feel anxious? I think, again, it depends the, you know, severity of it. But um, I, I've always gotten real shaky, I think. And sometimes like even lightheaded. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Re- just going back to restlessness, I guess would be more of a physical and mental. When feeling. you're laying in bed at 1030 at night and yeah. all the thoughts come in, do you, are you aware of physical sensations no. that you're having oh, too? Oh, no. No, that's a good point. Come to think of it, no. I completely, you know this, I disassociate actually. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of just... Quite the opposite You've learned a strategy for a, a, for a long time to get out of your body. Yes. I don't know why I didn't think of that until... Well, we I mean, there's talking. no right or wrong. I mean, I'm asking genuine... Because all of the things that you're saying too are things that I feel in my body too. So, I mean, the restlessness and all that, I'm sure that comes... It does. But like I said, depending on the topic, but like for a specific example, when I am laying in bed, which at night, that's when most of my personal anxiety comes, um, worrying about anything and everything, I do tend to go off in almost like a dream state, kind of out of my body. And, you know, if you are awake or whatever and you go to say something, or I realize, oh my gosh, I hadn't been watching TV this whole time, I've actually have been so lost in my train of thought. Like, I have a real hard time staying present. So Yeah, you go away. I really do. <laughs> I often scare you just by talking. Yeah. When we're in bed, like I'll say something or I'll laugh about something I just saw on the show and then you get you jump, jump because yeah. you you haven't even been there. You haven't been watching the show, you've been off and whatever thought train rabbit hole you're going down. Yeah. And and that's kind of an interesting thing to just think about of grabbing on to those anxious thoughts and I stay present. I often like also too, if I just kind of put my hand on your back or something, you always say, Oh my God, that just brought me back into my body. Like it reminds yeah, you that you're here. It so does. That, and some of that right is without getting into too much history is, is more on the end of like a trauma, trauma. response yeah. and trauma, traumatic things. And this, these things come about as like learned strategies for if you've had a lot of things that you can't get away from, then your brain starts to be able to separate you from those physical sensations. I think and- that's got to be so linked for me too, because usually, you know, all of my worry or something stems from something that might be also associated with a past traumatic past experience, right? And, yeah. Or s- something involved with um, a memory, you know, of something like that. So yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense. So for for me, when I get anxious, I don't know why, but one thing I notice is that I always get really cold and I don't know where, but when I get really, I don't have too often anymore. I don't have really, really bad anxiety because yeah. I know how to not follow the, that thought train or go down that rabbit hole, but I get cold. I mean, I've had, I've even had experiences of huh. been in my car. It could be summer. I don't know. And I'll be turning on the heat because I'm actually cold. And I think that the warmth like soothes me to an extent. Wow. Maybe it's like being wrapped up in a blanket or something. Right. I I don't want to eat. I get I lose my appetite. I've seen that from you. Which yeah. I know um now as much as I don't want to eat, I have to eat because physiologically like the more that you don't eat, 
then your blood sugar goes down and things. Sure. And then you start yeah. generating actual physiological, just, just merely from the fact of not eating and being hungry. Now your body's generating symptoms that feel a lot like anxiety, which then signals back to your brain to say, we're more anxious than like something's more wow. wrong. That makes sense. So like that is something for me that I, I make sure, okay, get some food in you, make sure that that's at least, it's not that right. I, yeah, I, I think butterflies in the stomach just mm. kind of closed off a little. Don't really want to talk to people much. Um, that's a big one. And a lot of my anxiety thought wise just generates from future thoughts that I can't, I, I feel are some, like you said, out of control. Right. So that's kind of a good place to segue into this too, is I think with a lot of the stay at home orders and coronavirus and all that's going on right now, it, it's created a big sense of, of lack of control. Absolutely. Because we don't know, well, one, it's this thing that you can't see. You don't know where it's coming from. You know, you, you see yeah. these people in masks and it's fearful and when's the government going to open and all these other things. So there's so much, there's so many aspects that are unknown and out of control. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing. Anxiety thrives off of, or, or I guess, Anxiety thrives off of lack of control and lack of certainty, right? And what we need to help sort of dampen the anxiety is to create some sense of control and to create more certainty of outcomes, which that's the hard part when you're dealing with something like this, because there is no, nothing you and I can do necessarily to control the bigger outcome of this. We can control the day-to-day -day things, but we can't create like certainty. So to go back to you and your business, right? Yeah. They've said hairdressers, you know, massage, cosmetology, nail salon, other like these more hands-on things are not going to be, they weren't deemed essential and they're not going to be open until phase three here in California. Yeah. Which who the hell knows when that is, right? Right. right. No date to match any of the phases. It's kind of just going by you know, what other states are doing, how they're doing, how the curve, you know, flattening the curve, they keep saying right. of all of, you know, the virus dying down. So think about the nature of that. And we're not, this is not a, uh, this topic is about anxiety. It's not about COVID-19. It's not yeah. about coronavirus, but we're using it as sort of a metaphor to talk about anxiety. So just thinking about your business and not knowing when it's going to open and all of that other stuff or your industry, right? Right. That in itself is a huge thing that's out of control and uncertain. Absolutely. Which leads to a space where when, when there's nothing that you can actually like tangibly do or, or act on every day, you just sit in your head and you think about all the potential outcomes. It could start a week from now. It could start yeah, two months from now. It could never start. It could, I mean, like, what are some of the what ifs that you've even been thinking about? Just like, or even like, what's, what's it going to look like when you start? Yeah. I mean, I, I am thankful. And also I struggle with, um, you know, how much I'm on social media right now. And I say that because I'm able to see, I have so many girls and guys on my feed that are in other States that are at different phases in you know, the reopening. So I've had a sense of seeing like what the protocols in other states are going to be, who's opening first and what they've learned from it. And um, so actually just to jump in on that, yeah. right? that's a space that's been able to give you a little 
inkling of certainty, right? right? Or something, right? I know what it's like for them. Yeah. Okay, I can base some space on it. But you still are in this unknown place of what's it going to be like for you? Yeah. So just managing all of that, just the what ifs and the maybes, it's been hard. So a lot of that, right, is what you're ta- what we're talking about is that lack of control, that lack of certainty and what the future holds. And it's been hard. So I'm curious. Personally, what have what have you been doing to try to manage that space of there's literally nothing you can do right now yeah. about some of these things and you can frantically run around and try to do a bunch of stuff, right? But there's some stuff that's literally not within your control. Absolutely. So what have you been trying to do? I've just been trying to stay busy and that's been enjoyable for me. That's kind of how we live our lives anyways. And that's like any sense of normality is trying to get our workouts in and staying busy, cleaning. Just for me personally, that's how I deal with uh, that idle time is not good for me. So I don't know if it's subconsciously or not, but I don't even think I've been realizing that that's how I've been coping with anxiety. Like I haven't thought of it that way, but I do find myself, you know, cleaning out every cupboard and I've been I've been very busy. So I haven't really given myself time to think. And again, I think that might have been just me subconsciously figuring it out and not even realizing. Yeah, that's what I was going to actually ask yeah. you is when you've been doing all of these things, have you been thinking about I'm purposely doing these things to manage my anxiety or no. has it come out of a restless place of anxiety and so you just find Maybe. yourself staying busy and doing things? Maybe. I I'm honestly, I think I think I thought it was just coming out of a place of oh my gosh, I actually have time to do all these things that I've usually want to do, but I also don't want to waste my weekends on. So I think it's probably all of those things combined. Yeah. But in the moment, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to make me feel good. So I'm just doing things that make me feel good. Right. I like to paint. So I've been painting, cleaning, our, our house being clean and organized. That makes me so happy. So yeah, I've just been clinging, clinging to those things. Yeah. Which, so that, I mean, it's an interesting space to talk about in the context of anxiety because like, we have maybe been in a space of feeling a little bit less anxiety than a lot of other people would be, right? I'm still working. You have unemployment, money's coming in and we don't have like a whole business or a bunch of employees and a bunch of other things to try to figure out. And there's so many different factors with that, right? Because now you're worried about, like I can just imagine the headspace you're in every day. If you have a big business, a bunch of employees, now not only are you worried about losing this thing that you created, but then all your employees, you feel responsible for them and all. So, but at the same time, you literally, there's like stuff where you just can't do anything about some of it. So you are actively finding coping skills and you're, you're not having to do them out of as much of an anxious space, but it's the same thing for anybody that has anxiety. What can you control? What can you actually control? Is there anything you can do anything about in that situation? If not, you have to learn coping skills for the anxiety because that lack of control creates the, like that's what's it, that's what anxiety is thriving on because now it's creating this headspace where all you're doing, you think you're problem solving, but all you're doing is just creating a bunch of what if scenarios that may or may not ever come true. And from my experience with anxiety, my what if scenarios are so catastrophic and far fetched <laughs> yeah. that they usually don't come true. I right. mean, that's the nature of anxiety is it's like, I'm going to think about all of the worst case scenarios that could possibly go down. Yeah. And then I'm going to get, and then I'm going to formulate a plan from that. 
right? Totally. What yeah. what what should I do if the world's ending tomorrow? I'll get a freaking bomb shelter and start stocking it with food. Like that's what <laughs> you tell me all the time too, which has resonated with me so much over the years is think about, and there's so many quotes on this too, but think about your hardest days, your most trying times, your most, you know, terrible worst days of your life thus far. You made it through them. You're right. standing here. You knew how to deal with them in the moment. And did your worry before any of those things, if you had it, did that help you cope with any of it? Usually no. Right. And that's such a good point. Of course, it's hard to remember in, you know, in that moment, but man, that's helped me a lot. Yeah. Like, in any sort of like high intensity situation or traumatic situation, we just thrive off instinct. We know what to do. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. And we solve the problem. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't, uh, it wasn't hard. Doesn't mean it wasn't difficult. Doesn't mean yeah. it wasn't painful or whatever. But we're sitting here talking right now. So whatever's come our way, we've handled it and we've figured out ways to handle. Yeah. And this isn't to discount that like preparation and planning is good, but to an extent, right. All of that stuff robs you. One, it, it tricks you into thinking that you're preparing for something and people stay in this space because they go, well, I kept myself super worried and preparing the whole time last time and then that bad thing didn't happen. So I guess I'll do that again and I'll stay in my head fucking preparing all day. But the reality is, is the thing didn't happen because the thing didn't happen. Not because you, yeah, you stayed, stayed in a place fucking of, prepared, yeah. right? So... It's good to know, okay, I can do this, this, and this if this happens, but then like you got to figure out ways to let the rest go and trust that you will be capable yeah. of handling whatever comes. No matter how hard it is or whatever, you're going to be capable, So right? true, yeah. Uh, so to, I don't know where I'm kind of going off on another tangent, but it reminds me of another analogy that I always say too is, so this is what anxiety does to people. When you can't control a situation... And it's causing you a lot of distress in the present moment. We start, one, anxiety hijacks our brain. So you go into a more fearful place in your brain. The only thing that you can do in that space is predict more fear because your, your brain's good at, like if, if you and I were walking on a trail, well, this actually happened to us. We're walking up uh, Big Pine. We're going through, mm-hmm. we're kind of like, hey, there might be some snakes or something. And then <laughs> oh. a big ass king snake went across the trail. Yeah. And you freaked out, jumped away, kind of froze. Then a bunch of bees started swarming. You're highly allergic yes, to bees. So, but in that moment, <laughs> right, nightmare. you were just like melting down. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that was startling. I lo- I'm looking, okay, that doesn't have a rattle on its tail. It's whatever. <laughs> I, it's probably a safe snake. I'm, I'm going through a different process than you, right? Because I went, so it still triggered the fear. I saw your fear. I went into that fearful place in my brain and then I had a reappraisal that goes, okay, this snake's probably not poisonous or deadly or a threat. Yeah. Right. Where you were stuck in the fear. What happens is you go into that emotional fearful place in your brain, which is like most commonly, there's so many different parts, but the amygdala is like the yeah. one real popular one that everyone talks about. Usually the, repra- the reappraisal's got to go back up to like your prefrontal cortex, which is the rational brain, the cognitive brain that's like, mm. okay, let me think about this situation in a different way. I can bring my body and my brain back online. Okay, let's keep moving, right? What happens with fears like coronavirus and worry and shit is that there's not a lot of ways that we can... It's not like a, an eminent threat. Oh, a snake just crossed our path. Holy shit, that was scary. Let's 
reassess and go. It's a yeah. thing that's prolonged and keeps going. And so we're like constantly in that going back into that fear space a lot. And that's why it's really important also to like find these coping skills and these things to pull you out of that, right? When you focus on cleaning the cupboards or some other shit for a while, yeah, you're not in that fearful place in your brain that's all it's doing is predicting more fearful, more threatening situations. Very true. At, there's nothing you can do about some of those things. So sitting around thinking about it all day is not solving the problem either. Yeah. It's just creating more fear for you in the present moment and making you more uncomfortable and more out of control. It's like a feedback loop. It just keeps happening. Yeah. Right? I just want to say too, like, it's not like it's easy, but it's, it's worth it to pull yourself out of that space. There's so many days when I could have like just laid in bed and done nothing. And I'm not saying that that's not okay to do, but for me personally, I know that that's not okay to do unless it's like I'm sick or whatever. I personally feel better and I know I feel better when I have productivity in my days and then I can relax and just it it takes an effort to pull yourself out of that. So it's definitely not easy, but it's freaking worth it. Yeah. Like if you're laying there all day, you're probably more likely than not just going to be running over all the ruminating yeah. crazy thoughts in your head instead of and and like it's so weird because we trick ourselves into thinking that that's doing something as opposed yeah. and and we also trick ourselves into thinking that if i just go along with my day right now and go do things and work out and organize the cupboards and whatever <laughs> else then i'm also not paying attention to the problem and i'm i'm sort of letting it go and i'm not taking it as serious as i should i was gonna bring that up too actually because it, we've we've used this scenario in other things that have worried me in the past and we've both expressed that like sometimes you'll feel like if I don't feel sad about this thing that I'm worried about or that really sad about this thing that's going on that means that I don't care right and that when you like told me and I I put two and two together that like was a game changer for me too because I realized I still care about these things and I still you know, or about the person that I'm worried You're still about. Still taking or it seriously, yeah. Like, right. But I'm not like just staying in it, and I don't know. Right, letting it control you. Yeah. I mean, that's the the same thing with anxiety. Is like, it's almost like we think if we let our guard down on it by yeah. doing something else, that means I don't care. And it's gonna and it, but it's gonna sneak up on you yeah. and catch up on you, right? And it yeah. that's so you can, in a sense, kind of let your guard down because y- you. What the most helpful thing for me is internalizing the space of knowing I am capable of handling what's going to come down the road. Might be hard, might suck, might make me change my entire life. Yeah. But I'm going to be capable of handling it. And that's been a hard one for me to land on. To go back to something you were saying, where you're saying, like, it's good for you to get out of bed and do all of these things. A part of that was making me think too, with anxiety and kind of to touch on what I was talking about before, how it's hijacking your brain. Mm hmm. When you get into that super anxious space and your brain starts predicting all the worst case scenarios, your rational brain has gone offline. And so you're making a lot of decisions that you think are helpful or think are going to work out in the end for you. Like they're going to benefit you in the end. You're making these from not the most clear headed space, (laughs) right? Yeah. So doing these things to help break up the physiology and the anxiety sometimes is called grounding or getting yourself centered or something, which the purpose of it is to separate that mind-body loop thing that's happening where now your fight or flight is kicked in and your heart's beating a million miles an hour and your adrenaline's pumping and all of that and everything in that is saying 
fight or flight, run away or do yeah. something drastic, right? And so the analogy that I use for this a lot is when we're driving in traffic, because I know most people can relate to this, right? I love this analogy. And it's, you're late. You know you're late. You already know you kind of messed up for something, right? But you're mm-hmm. late somewhere. You get on the freeway, dead stop traffic, right? There's nothing you can do. It's barely moving. You're already behind schedule. You're late. So, I mean, even just talking about that, I'm sure most people can relate and empathize with that situation of like the anxiety's rising. Oh my God, I'm going to be late. The people are going to be disappointed in me. Oh God, what, how's this going to impact my job and da da da. So you just start changing lanes back and forth. (laughs) Every time the one lane next to you moves up an inch, you put your blinker on and frantically change to that lane, whatever. Or you start thinking, maybe if I get off, like where we are, we can, you can get off and drive the coast and it's yeah. kind of the same thing, right? If I get off right now at this exit, I, I can drive the coast and then that. And, but all of that thinking is coming from the anxiety that's already present. And it's telling you these things are going to be solutions to the problem. So if I change lanes a hundred times, it's going to help me get there. What you don't see is the absurdity in that <laughs> is that like if you really stop and pull back and look around, every time you change lanes, you probably notice that the car next to you All is like uh, ahead yes. of you now, <laughs> or like the car that you used to be right behind that you thought was going so slow now is like 12 cars in front because you changed lanes and that lane stopped. The uh, more helpful place to get to would be, okay, I'm probably going to be a little bit late. There's nothing I can do about this traffic because it's a thing I can't control or do anything about. What can I control? I can control how I'm reacting to all of this right now. And I can just stay in one lane and trust that the traffic will move and it will get me there when it gets me there. Yep. How often have, I know me personally, I get in that space every once in a while, but I remember this, but I'll be like, all right, screw this. I got to get off. I'm going to take the coast. Yeah. And then there's like construction on the coast. <laughs> and it's like Murphy's law. <laughs> it's, it's 10 times longer than it would have been if yeah. I would have just regulated myself and just breathed through it, come back to a rational place and go, okay, nothing I can do in this moment's really going to speed it up that much. I just have to be patient. Yep. That's a big thing that's happening right now with all of this and anxiety is that everyone's freaking out because there doesn't seem to be like a big end in sight. So people are doing what they can that they think is going to change the problem or solve the problem. But really, it's what can I do to ground myself? Yeah. There's certain things that are in my control that I can do or I can, you know. Yeah, and that's great. Do them. Try to figure out different ways to make some money or do some other things, whatever, right? But there's also some things that's the reality is, is I can't do much about what I can do is ground myself, focus on other things so that I'm not just sitting spinning all the time. Yeah. And then you're ready to handle, you know, when it does all open for this specific example, like you're able to handle what protocols need to be done. And like, no, you're able to be capable going back to what we said before. Right. You know, and knowing that like you just kicking it and trying to figure out ways to enjoy the time right now or whatever is not you also not taking it seriously. Yeah, not that. giving a shit. But that, so like my other analogy and then we'll kind of lead towards the end where we'll talk about some coping skills, but I watch this more often than not with people and I truly believe now, like I really believe that we all have our own individual little like stream of life that we're floating down and a lot of us fight the hell out of that stream because it doesn't look the way that we want it to be, right? Like it says that you can't do this anymore or you have to go down this job or something. So we try to like jump out of the stream all the time. But the universe has a way of nudging us back into our path. 
I just watch more often than not. People be floating down that stream, <laughs> peaceful, nice, everything's going. And then you butt up against a, a metaphorical dam, right? And you're not moving. You're not going anywhere. And really, the water will rise. Like all the water will catch up to that dam, will rise, and you'll just like float over the dam. And then you'll just keep cruising down your stream. But people hit the dam (laughs) and they freak the fuck out and they jump out of the stream and now they like run into a hornet's nest (laughs) going one way or they they're running frantically thinking oh my god i gotta go change directions and then they run off a cliff and all of this is joking right yeah they realize i should have stayed in the fucking stream (laughs) right you will repeatedly throughout life butt up against challenges you have to repeatedly ground yourself Maybe you your stream is going to pivot off to the side or whatever, right? But you have to be able to make those decisions from grounded place, not from the anxious, fearful mind that's job is only to predict threats and fears and all of this other stuff because you're not going to make very rational, well-thought-out decisions in that place, right? So true. I freaking love that analogy so much. I mean, even for myself, when I first started private practice, there was a space where it was going really great in the beginning and then all of a sudden basically dried up. And my I, fin- financial insecurity is one of my biggest worries. That's the one thing that can send me over the edge right yeah. now. Uh, and I would like start the month with no clients on the book and I'd paid all my bills and I have like $50 in the bank. Yeah. And everything in my brain at that time kept saying, you got to go find a different job. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then I would come back to this space of like, and get, but then I'm going to have to give up on my thing that I wanted so bad. Yeah. So is it me creating, am I seeking another job or something else strictly because I'm afraid that the outcomes aren't going to work out in my, in my favor? Or am I seeking it because I actually really need to? But like the only way that I can make those informed decisions is am I grounded and am I capable of being grounded, right? And more often, I mean, for me, I I just jumped on what I can control. Start networking more, start getting out there, start talking to people. I can't control if that phone rings, but I can have faith that it will at some point. Yeah. And I'm not going to jump out of the stream. I'm going to just float up over the thing (laughs) at some point. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So in all of this talk about grounding and and getting centered and stuff, and you've already touched on it a little bit, but what are are there any other specific things that you know you're using to cope when you're anxious? Not just these things that you've kind of said, like, I find myself cleaning the cupboards and... Yeah. have to think about that. What are some things for you? So we talked about already mindfulness. I mean, you might not use it as much because it's not as habitual for you, but coming back to the skill we built through our 30-day practice of just the breathing and just oh being able gosh, to focus. Oh my gosh, I forgot about the breathing. Right. Yes. That's there, been helping me so much. I talked about that in my blog too. This, it, I keep calling it the circle breathing and there's got to be some more like right. professional way to, what is it called? It, I is don't it think just it breath ha- work? Just I the way know. that you're doing it is just a more visualization of your breath. So it's actually, it's working to help pull you out of your thoughts too, because you're focusing on a specific thing that you're doing, right? So more than just focusing on your breathing in and out, you're actually visualizing like the breath going up and then out and then in. Yeah. Like in a circle. Right. And that holds you to like not thinking about other things. Yeah, it does. We say that helped you. It helps me sleep. It helps me not be as anxious at night. Like I talked about, you know, that's my problem time. And yeah, so the breathing's helped me a lot. I don't do it as often anymore, but I do feel 
like painting has always been maybe not so much currently, but my whole life that's been my my thing. Yeah. You know, to cope. It, I get into a, a real flow and it goes back to, you know, just helping me focus on something different, but it's it's also very soothing and I I find I, I get lost in it. So anything that I can like get lost in. Which is perfect. For me. I'm so happy that you said it that way because that's the same for me. Working out, taking a walk, doing a meditation, but anything that I can tune my focus to where it takes me, I have to really pay attention. And, and things like working out, I don't really have to pay attention a lot of times when I'm doing it, but then I can turn it into a mindful act where I am counting and focusing on my yeah. breathing and all of that. And so for whatever the hour that I'm doing it or something, I'm not thinking about other things. And this isn't to say you just constantly avoid thinking about things or push your problems under the rug, no. but it's, it's being aware of the things that you can't do anything about and that you don't need to spend all your time thinking about, right? So you like, okay, I'm worrying about all these what if scenarios. When you had to get surgery and we yeah. were waiting 10 days to find out if you had cancer or not, yeah. it was like, I'm, I'd find myself going into a space of, what if all you what if you have to do chemo and all your hair falls out and I have to watch you die like I mean it was just morbid and then I would be like in 10 days we will find out and then we will do what we need to do then but for me for the next 10 days I don't want to rob myself of the next 10 days of if we find out good news and I spent the last 10 days making myself sick with worry yeah that was wasted 10 days deal with it when it happens. There's nothing I can do about it now. I can't make the results come faster. So what I can do is focus on other things. Or for me, just in general, mindfulness meditation helped me become aware of that those thoughts are happening sooner. And it helped me learn that thoughts are these just transient things that float by and that I actually just don't have to think those thoughts. I do genuinely think that the 30 days of you teaching me mindfulness meditation, although I'm going to be completely honest, besides at nighttime, I think that's my version of it. I haven't really done it since, although I need to. Yeah. Um, But I really think that like actually helped me in the sense of, like you said, being able to recognize those thoughts and when I'm going down that dark path and then I can kind of pull myself out of it. I swear. Just you better recognize. (laughs) Um. So, I mean, there's multiple things. Going to therapy is huge. Cognitive behavioral therapy, it just comes back and other people might have other thoughts on this, but a lot of anxiety is generated by thoughts. It's the way you think about certain situations. And we always have a choice to be able to think different ways or think different thoughts in those moments. But the scary, fearful ones really convince us that we need to keep thinking about them. So we hold on to it, right? But we have the ability through various techniques. I, there's CBT thought records that I use with people. I teach a lot of people mindfulness. Um, just being able to deconstruct some of your thoughts. Like when I start having an anxious thought, sometimes I'll think, I'll like go backwards and kind of like reverse engineer it. You know, where, where did this come from? Okay. I, I know I'm feeling this way right now, but then why do I think that way? Mm. Well, why am I fearful of that thought? Where did that fear get generated from? Is there an underlying belief system in there that says, you know, if you, I was trying to think of a good example off the top of my head, but no, that's a, honestly, I, I should do that more often. That seems really helpful. Right. And like a lot of the, this thought record thing, it's also a space where you can actually write it down and do it, but it helps you 
evaluate both sides of something. Right. So it helps you look at what is the worrisome thought that I'm thinking about? What are, what are all the thoughts that are associated with this event or trigger? And then what are the facts that prove that this is true or that this is something I should be worried about, right? And then what are some facts that don't support that way of thinking or the thoughts that I'm having? And then, I mean, you can really choose which side you want to believe, but at least you have a more balanced way of looking at it. A lot of times we just grab onto the first thought that comes into our head and because we thought it, we believe it's true. And so we just run with it. Must be what I should be thinking about right now. Yeah. But isn't it kind of like a muscle? Like they say, you know, you can really like train your brain to, to keep thinking these ways, whether it's to be more mindful or like you said, to really deconstruct, like it it becomes a habit almost right. Yeah. Over time. I think that's where the mindfulness part of the mindfulness comes in is that mindfulness develops more awareness about things. So if you're just sitting and doing the breathing, the breath work, or, you know, an actual mindfulness practice is focusing on something your breathing or your visual visualization that you're doing. And then when you notice you've drifted off into thought, you come back to the thing. So you're strengthening that ability to notice sensations, thoughts, other things that are happening. And then can I let them go? Can I make a choice? I mean, even one of the smallest ones is like, just sit there and you feel an itch. Do I immediately jump to itch that thing? Yes. Or do I just, <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see you. Or do you, can you breathe into it and let it go? The more you think about it, the more you sit there and focus on how bad it is. focus on it. Yep. Right. Sure I mean, do. that's a, it's a perfect analogy. Yeah. So all of these things do take training and they take awareness and, but everybody and can work. do it. Right. Yeah. That's why we like want to keep, I don't know, working on stuff ourselves. And also like, yeah. that was the whole point of the topic in focuses too, or like the 30 day challenges, like help encourage people to also, you know, keep trying these things because it can stick and like it's helped me a lot. Yeah. But it's taken time. We've been together almost five years and you've been, you know, slowly helping me through stuff and introducing these things to me. And I'm barely touching on really putting them into practice in my life on my own. Right. I'd say. So sorry. That was a tight side tangent. No, but I mean I would think for most people too I noticed from an outsider perspective that you use them a lot more than you think you do. And yeah. that you, your anxiety has gone considerably down from where maybe it used it to be. It truly, truly has. But like, just to maybe end it on this, it's normal. Like the more that you fight against this thing because you've labeled it as bad or something you shouldn't have, or there's something wrong with you because you have anxiety or depression or all these other things, right? You have, tra- you have a trauma response. The more that you tell your, I mean, it just goes back again. It's anxious thinking to sit around and grab onto it and be like, this is bad. I shouldn't, when I, I used to have so much social anxiety, I'd go into like social settings and be like, okay, you're going to be weird. This yeah, is going to be awkward. You're going to do something. Oh, that was weird. What you just did with your hand. Yeah, and everyone's I would just, looking at me. right. Like the whole time be having this like constant chatter in my brain of don't be like that. Oh my God, you're anxious. You're sweaty. You're, you're nervous. And then when I finally was just like, dude, give yourself permission to be anxious. Like yeah. you're allowed to be awkward. At least now I'm, I'm low level anxious, but I'm not fighting against the anxiety and creating a bunch more freaking anxiety the whole yeah, time. Right. It makes it worse. You're just accepting what it is. We're all growing. We're trying. And yeah. like it, you'll continue growing, you yep. know, but if you're just constantly beating yourself up for the progress you think you're not making or something. going to make your self-esteem worse. It's just a snowball of right. bad news, man. <laughs> So 
all right, that topic, I mean, that one went a lot longer than I thought we were going to go for, but we I just kind of got going. we were going to do a going. full hour. So, I oh. mean, you know, well, from my end, we're really saving time. Yeah. <laughs> so we're cutting it short on your end. Today it's a wonderful, you know, I'm Perspective, thinking. Perspective, everybody. Oh, God, we went too long. And you're like, wow, we're, perfect... we got a lot done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess what to expect moving forward with these topics and hopefully people like the change. And if you don't, we're not going to spend time (laughs) worrying about it. (laughs) It's fun for us. Uh, But whenever we think of a cool new topic or something, we're, we're going to jump on. We have this space where we live together and the mics are here so we can kind of do it, you know? I think uh, hopefully this new format will be cool and people will get, a lot more out of it without having to sit and participate. Yeah. Um, be like some more relatable stuff. And I think I'm sure we'll still put stuff on social and maybe even ask for like, you know, suggestions of what you guys want to hear. So, you know, I think it's going to be a good pivot. All right. So that was your topic and focus anxiety. (laughs) 